Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. Thanks for coming to uh, spend some time with me here today. So I ended up, like I was saying last week, I went down to Audubon Hospital and met with the CEO and the head of nursing and uh, the medical director. And they're all very, very nice. They have a nice facility there and the people are very nice. And so I believe it. So I'm working on getting credentialed. So I'll be going down there opposite Fridays, so every other Friday. And, of course, the credentialing takes a little bit, but I think I'm going to be down there by May, it looks like. So, yeah, that would be that'd be great. I mean, I'm, I'm already cred- credentialed with all the insurance carriers, so it's just some hospital stuff, but it should be relatively quick. And just to go over... The idea again. So we being St. Anthony's, so I work for St. Anthony's now, and St. Anthony's is looking to become a regional center for orthopedics. It's already a regional center for cardiology with two cardiologists on site. It's a regional cancer center with a big cancer center with radiation and, you know, with surgical cancer and and, uh, and chemotherapy. And so looking to make that more of a regional thing with a, with respect to orthopedics. Now we're we have an open recruitment for a second orthopedic surgeon. We have not hired anybody, but I heard that uh, Audubon was looking to solidify their orthopedic situation, and so I went and talked to them. Well, I, first our CEO from St. Anthony's gave their CEO a call, and then we all chatted. So the idea is. When we do get a second uh, person here, there'll be two of us. Then there won't be gaps. So I'm here by myself. So if I go on vacation, there's a week gap, right? So we won't have those week gaps. We'll we'll organize our vacations. It'll be very rare for us to go on vacation at the same time. Maybe it happens around Christmas, but probably not. We'll we'll see. Anyway, the point is on the typical, you know, summer vacations and with the kids and all that stuff, it's very easy to just say, oh, okay, I'll take this week, you take that week. So we really close down the number of weeks that there's nobody here. And so what that does is that reinforces the other hospital's ability to always know, well, our hip fractures always go to St. Anthony's because they have two orthopedic surgeons over there. And so we're, we're kind of building that up, and I've already started taking care of some hips from Audubon. And we do take care of hips from all around the area because – like I said, in the surrounding areas, so the hospitals in this general region, there's Manning, Lake City, Audubon, Jefferson, Denison, even up Sac City's a little farther, but still kind of in the general area. And none of those have a full-time orthopedic surgeon that's there every day. So we think that there's some really good motivation on everybody's part to network together and so this is uh, sort of the beginning of, of it officially with Audubon. And like I said, I'll be going over there and I'll be doing I'll be doing cases there that are appropriate to do there. We'll do our, our hip fractures here at uh, St. Anthony's and then total joint replacements. Of course, we have the robot. And uh, so what we can do over at Audubon will be knee arthroscopies, some sports medicine, some shoulder arthroscopies, rotator cuff repairs, carpal tunnels, fractures of the the wrist and ankle and smaller bones uh, that don't need to come into the hospital, things like that. So 
from what they've told me, there's there's a fair amount of that need down there. And so I'm really happy to be going down there to uh, to help them out with that. So, And that, again, answers the question. That I've, I, I was... Another one of my patients told me that they heard I was moving away from Carol. That's not true with respect to the practice. I will be practicing here in Carol for likely the rest of my career, I would imagine. And uh, I don't see any reason that I wouldn't. So that's kind of what's going on with that. And I'm I'm real enthused about getting down there and, and getting started up. And uh, I know... The people down in Audubon seemed pretty enthused because uh, they hadn't had a, it had been a while since they had um, orthopedics there kind of consistently from one area. And they were also enthused that, you know, we were able to offer that to them and we're so close because Audubon is only 30 miles from Carroll. So the patients don't have to go 40, 50, 60 miles for their follow-up care and things like that. And I will be doing, obviously, follow-up care in Audubon, but sometimes you want to see someone at one week versus two weeks, so sometimes they have to drive a little bit. But uh, So that's that. we get got spring break coming up, and um, well, my family, we're going to go to Charleston, South Carolina. We've never been to Charleston, and it seems like a very pretty city, kind of one of the old South cities that's left. There is a university there called College of Charleston, and uh, my friend has a couple kids who go down there. We're just kind of kind of take a look. My girls are getting closer to that university time in their life, and uh, we're just kind of looking around a little bit. And what, what I've seen, though, it's, it's interesting. I saw the other day, I saw a article that said that cheating is now essentially totally accepted in college, that the kids... Nobody feels bad about cheating. There's no honor code. There's no, nobody looks down on anybody. Nobody, you know, and the professors are kind of like, they don't know what to do about it. And this was everything from public universities to the Ivy League. I mean, they just apparently, the morals of the country have fallen so far that kids think cheating's okay. And then, of course, it gets into that cycle of, well, everybody else is cheating. If I don't cheat, I'm going to get a low grade. So it's just, you know, the the momentum behind it is so bad. But that just, you know, it's sad because, number one, when you go to college, <laughs> it's not the degree. It's not the piece of paper. It's the education that's supposed to be what you're there for. It's supposed to transform how you think. You know, you're not supposed to go there to be indoctrinated into certain political ideologies. You're supposed to go learn how to think critically and evaluate the world and from a context that includes, you know, history and philosophy and math and, you know, all these things. So now I think that so many people are just stuck on, well, I need a brand name school to get a job. And they're not really that concerned about, you know, the value of the education. And so that's really distressing. And I I don't know what can be done about it at this point. I'm not sure that the university system in America is, in its current form, is going to going to continue on if you get to the point where they're just churning out people who know how to cheat. <laughs> it doesn't really seem uh, seem like it's got tremendous value. So I'm, I was very disturbed to hear that article. I mean, not, not so disturbed that I don't want my kids to go to university. I mean, I do. I think you can still go there and get tons and tons out of it. I'm sure there's lots of education being had, but that was a particularly disturbing article to read and you know maybe it was hyperbole maybe it was a little bit of exaggeration 
But they went to a lot of colleges and interviewed a lot of professors and said that that's kind of par for the course now. But, you know, we are we are starting to look in that direction. And, of course, when you look at value, Iowa and Iowa State pack a tremendous value per dollar. And uh, I'm sure Northern Iowa as well. I haven't really looked into them as much. But, uh, but if you look at Iowa and Iowa State, you're talking about $10,000, $11,000 a year tuition in that area. It might be a little more, but not much more. If you look in that block of, so they're not in the top 50 in the U.S., they're both kind of between, somewhere between 50 and 100, a little bit lower than that. It's more like 80 to 120, but there's a lot of universities, so that's not bad. But if you look in that index of uh, schools in that range of caliber, in that, uh, let's say, that sort of maybe third tier uh, academically. So it's not the Ivy League, and then it's not sort of like your University of Michigan's, and it's kind of, they're kind of that next tier down. A lot of the colleges in that tier are $70,000 a year. So, you know, for that reason, I mean, you, you got to really look at those from a value perspective. And then also, there's enough to learn at both those universities that the smartest person in the world could go there and not learn at all. I mean, it's uh, part of the whole academic ranking of universities ends up just being, well, this is our brand name. But, it, but I mean, there's definitely, look, I mean, if you, if, if you get into Harvard, I mean, you, I know a guy, I knew a couple kids from our community uh, in Des Moines. One was the son of uh, a urologist that I worked with actually down in Corden who went to school at where my daughter's uh, going now, Roosevelt, and he got into Harvard. He had a perfect score on his SAT uh, and straight A's all the way through. <laughs> and then one of our other neighbors over there, his daughter went to Dartmouth, which is an Ivy League school, and you know she got pretty close to that kind of numbers. And you know, and they were doing tremendous extracurricular activities. So that's definitely you know there's something to it. Those rankings. I mean, there there's definitely something to it. But uh, if you're gonna be in that. That's one thing, but uh, if you're sort of going to be in that those next levels down, Iowa and Iowa State pack a heck of a punch and uh, as far as value for the dollar. So I'm starting to get more and more patients who are months, several months. I don't know that I have one that's a year out from the balloon yet, the balloon being the balloon that we put in for patients who have a completely deficient, unfixable rotator cuff. So, you know, again, to explain in detail why we would use the balloon. So if your rotator cuff is completely torn and you do have arthritis in your shoulder, so arthritis is the breakdown of the joint. So if your rotator cuff is completely torn and you have arthritis, you can do the reverse total shoulder replacement. Now, I've done a couple where I've done a resurfacing with a superior capsular reconstruction, and both of them seem to be doing very well right now. Uh, but those are patients who just said, there's no way I'm having a reverse total shoulder um, because there are, there are some lifetime limitations with a reverse total shoulder. But if you're, you know, if you're in your 80s and you're not doing a whole lot of work, it's a really good operation with a great track record. So back to, so the, the idea is if you have a completely deficient rotator cuff and you do not have arthritis, Okay, and the humeral head has not ridden up 
higher so that it's touching the bone above it, which is called the acromion. So if your humeral head is in its normal position and your rotator cuff is completely torn and it's not fixable, there's really there's two options. Well, there's, you know, do nothing, of course. What we used to do up till about seven years ago is typically we would just shave out the rotator cuff and just, you know, kind of clean up, quote unquote, clean up the shoulder. And that never really worked very well. Tried some different things. And the, the one that about eight years ago came out called the superior capsule reconstruction is where we take a thick graft. It's typically human skin. And it's been processed, so the DNA is out of it. It's, it's biologically inert, but it does act as, as a scaffold for regrowth of new tissue. So we put that from the top of the socket to the top of the ball. It's called a superior capsule reconstruction. So if you have a rotator cuff tear that is not fixable, if it's fixable, we fix the cuff. And what that means is the cuff, we tack it down where it's supposed to be on the bone with some anchors, that heals in, and you're good to go. If you have a, a, a rotator cuff tear that's a, a big tear, is not fixable, then your two basic options are you can do the superior capsule reconstruction or the balloon. Now, the problem with the superior capsule reconstruction is that it is very extensive rehabilitation. It's just like rehabilitating a large rotator cuff repair. So you're six weeks in the sling and then months and months before you can do real heavy work. So... Like if I had a massive rotator cuff tear today, I would have a superior capsule reconstruction. No question, because I want my shoulder to be good for the rest of my life. And I would say, well, as bad as it is, I'm going to have to suck it up and do what I can do to work through this. And I mean, I'd have to give up surgery for a while, for weeks and weeks, and it would be at least big surgery. And I wouldn't like doing it, but I, but that's what I would do. Now, the balloon, if I was a little bit older... Or maybe I would consider doing the balloon. And the reason for the balloon is because then you don't have a big, long rehabilitation. So the balloon just goes in and holds the head down. It provides a cushion between the head and the bone above it, which it's not supposed to be touching. Holds it down. You rehabilitate through it. And then the idea is that if you need to later, you can go back and do something more definitive. So... Uh, one of the patients I had was a truck driver and he just, you know, he owned his own rig and he said, there's just no way I can take, you know, three months off of driving a truck. I don't don't have that kind of money sitting around. I, you know, lose my business. So we put the balloon in and he's doing very well. He's very happy. He's climbing in and out of his truck without pain. He's able to drive without a ton of pain. Now, when he retires in a few years, we can probably go back and do a superior capsule reconstruction and be definitive with it. So I am getting, and the other is, a lot of times you have elderly patients who are just not a good candidate for the superior capsule reconstruction or the reverse total shoulder replacement because they're just not going to, you know, well, they might be in a wheelchair or they might live alone and use a walker and not just not, just not be a very good candidate for that level of rehabilitation. That's another great opportunity for the balloon. The, it's called the in-space, I-N-S-P-A-C-E, in-space balloon. If you look online, you Google in-space balloon for shoulders, you can see it. And it's, you know, it's it's a saline balloon. So we basically put it in there and blow it up, make sure it's inflated properly, and that's that's the surgery. And it, it takes, you know, 15 minutes or so, and patients are doing very, very well with it. But again, 
shoulders are so much more complex and there's so many more different things you can do with a shoulder than with a knee. So, you know, if your knee is arthritic, if it's past a certain point, you basically a knee replacement, that's it. I mean, you can do a partial if there's only arthritis in part of your knee, but that's pretty rare. Uh, usually patients will have arthritis in at least two of the three compartments in the knee. And I love doing total knees, especially with a robot. I mean, cause it's so like perfect every time, but with respect to the shoulder, I mean, there's just so many different levels of, you know, how torn is your cuff? You know, the cuff can be partially torn all the way torn, a big tear, small tear. The other thing is, does it, has the humeral head moved up and down or, or moved up yet or not? So there's just, there's a need for a lot of different solutions in the shoulder. It's, it's really, truly a more complex joint than the knee because it has so many more, so much of a, a broader range of motion. You know, the knee rotates a bit, but mostly it's a hinge. It's not quite a hinge, but for the cheap version of it is that it's a hinge, whereas the shoulder, you know, I mean, you can see what you can do with your shoulder. So it's tremendously more complex and requires more solutions and has more different ways that it can go wrong. And that's why I like the shoulder so much because you can, there's so many more different things you can do and you can be very creative with it because it can fail in so many different ways that you can put different treatments together. And so really do like that. But uh, yeah, but the, but I am getting now some, a fair number of, of the, the balloons coming back that are quite happy. Uh, you have to be very careful that the patient does not have much arthritis. Otherwise, they don't do as well. So you want somebody who just has a rotator cuff tear and no arthritis or breakdown in the joint and and put that balloon in. And they have, at least in my, uh, in my experience, and certainly that correlates with what we're reading in the studies that are being done, does very well. And so... So that's good. And it's getting ready to be time to take your exercise outside. And I would suggest that. I mean, first of all, you get your vitamin D being out in the sun. I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but we're we're getting real close to that. And the vitamin D is good for you mentally and physically. And just being outside in the bright sun is good for you uh, psychologically. So it's been, you know, a typical winter. I don't know that it was necessarily any worse or better than well, it's better than the first couple winters that I when I moved here. Those were pretty pretty rough. But anyway, think about spending some time outside, doing some of your exercise outside, getting a little bit of sun, and uh, getting getting some fresh air. And that'll uh, we'll talk more about uh, things that we can do now that the uh, weather's changing for us with respect to keeping our bodies in in shape. So with that, uh, thanks for spending the time with me, and uh, you have a blessed week, Iowa.